Whew. It is nerve-wracking up here. I, this robe is nice, but it gives me a catch-22. On the one hand, it covers up so you can't really see all that I'm sweating. Uh, on the other hand, it's making me sweat twice as much. Uh, so I really don't know what to do. Uh, you are you're a little scary to look at, to be honest with you guys. Uh, I think it's, it's all the, the gray hair. And because uh, it's the fact that I know that you have been listening to sermons for so long, probably longer than I've been alive. In, in fact, I'm pretty sure that many of you are members of this church longer than I've been alive. Actually, I, let's, let's test that theory out. I was born January 18, 1990. So if you became a member of this church before January 18th, 1990, would you raise your hand? Yeah, that's what I thought. Scary. Very, very scary. Whew. I, see, the thing is, I, I really want you guys to, to, to hear truths that actually change your life, that, that is of great value for you. And, uh, and so... To do that, we're going to look to the Apostle Paul. I mean, who better to look at to get great truth? And we're going to look at his letter to the Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the letter to the Ephesians. And uh, the, the letter to the Ephesians is perfect because Paul is writing to a church, much like you guys, well-established in the faith, who has a great reputation of, of serving and of love, Paul spent more time on his missionary journeys with these Ephesians than with any other group. These are the mature followers of Christ. And so it is great to see what it is that Paul says to this kind of church, a church like ours. So this is Paul's prayer for that church. It's found in Ephesians 1, verse 15. And let's read it together. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his inc incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So one of the things that jumped out about this passage is what Paul was thankful for because those are the exact same things that I am thankful for you guys as a church. 
It says that Paul was thankful when he heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for all the saints. And, and wow, does this church have a lot of faith in the Lord Jesus. And wow, does this church love all the saints so well. I mean, uh, I get the privilege of being a part of men's group on Mondays at 6.30. It's open to anyone. Anyone can come and jump in. It's right here at this church. And the incredible stories I hear in men's group. And these are things that make my jaw drop, that explode my mind about the incredible faith that it would take to get through these situations. And they tell it like it was just another Tuesday. And I'm going, wow. Mike Yoder here is the worst. He sits back and, you know, he has years in disaster relief. He's had years of coming in, rescuing people. And he will tell stories of how they needed thousands of supplies and they prayed to God and, and it, it came. And it was amazing, that kind of faith. And, but he tells it like, like it's just another thing. He, he just kind of sits back and it's like it's nothing. And, and, and Antonio and I are just like, what? That happened to you? That is insane. And yet that is just the kind of faith that you have. And of course, your love for all the saints. I mean, all of you that get up way too early on Saturday morning. Saturday morning is for sleeping in. And yet here you are getting up to give meals on wheels. Uh, we have our angel tree that you support so well. Shelly's kids that you support so well. Yeah, um, Antonio and I were, were prepping for this sermon kind of late after Wednesday night. And we were working together. And Antonio heard something. And I was like, nah, nah, you didn't hear anything. And a few minutes later, he's like, Shane, you didn't hear that? And I said, look, Antonio, this is a big old building. There are creaks and groans all over. Like, uh, just, just ignore it. And then a little bit later, I heard a bang. And I looked at Antonio and said, I, I heard that one. So we rushed out, and we found in between in our welcome center, in between the inside doors, which were locked, we kept the outside doors open for people to come in who were homeless. And there was somebody there using a gently used blanket that one of you made or dropped off. And, and we could see your incredible love for all God's people. And there's so many more stories that we can tell. But even with all these great things, there is something we still desperately want for you. And I want you to remember that this is what Paul is praying for a church that is doing well, that, that is mature in Christ, that are doing great things, and yet Paul prays this for them. And these are the things that we want for you too. Verse 17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. We want you to know God better. Now, for some of you, 
Church is like Facebook in that God is someone that you met a while ago, you friended him, and you come to Facebook to check in to see what he's doing every couple weeks. You come to church and you're like, hey, God, what are you up to? Do you got anything doing? Uh, and, and that's about it. You're not going any bit deeper. And just like Facebook friends, there is a difference between knowing somebody and really knowing somebody. I have Facebook friends that post a lot of things, and I know a lot of details about their lives. But I've met them once, and we became Facebook friends. And I know, I really don't even remember how I met them. I just know the details about their dog. You know, like, you have those Facebook friends. And yet, my best friend isn't on Facebook. My best friend, the one I know deeply and truly and, and intimately, isn't there. And so there is nothing that I could do on Facebook to get to know him better. And I think we treat church kind of like Facebook. We just hope that if we show up that God will post enough on Facebook for us to, to know him. But we don't truly know him. There's knowing someone, and then there's really knowing someone. God is infinite which means that you can spend eternity learning the new fact about God every single day, and you will have an infinity more of things to know about God. There's so much to expand your mind about God. If you pray and if you study God's word, you can know that better. But God is also personal, which means that he has a relationship with you. And there is so much that you can know to get know God better because he's personal. When you take that leap of faith and see that he will catch you. When you take those steps of obedience and see that his way is the right way, you can know him better. Antonio has a friend uh, named Elder Dan. And Antonio told me the story that I want to share with you. He said one day he was talking to his friend, Elder Dan, and he said, I am tired. I've been doing all this church work and work and doing all this. I'm not sure I have enough time for all of this. And Elder Dan said, yeah, there was one day I thought that too. And so I told God, I said, hey, God, I'm going to cut back on some time with you so that I can really focus on work. And then the next day, Elder Dan goes into work, and he was handed his pink slip. God was saying, are you sure you want to cut time with me? And Elder Dan was able to take that and find the other people who got laid off and go to church more and pray for each other and encourage each other. And, and God used that to help him grow his faith and grow his knowledge in him, which was incredibly, incredibly important for Elder Dan. Because just a few years later, Elder Dan got in a car accident and became paralegic from the neck down. Can you imagine how hard it would have been for Elder Dan to go through that 
because he didn't know God. If he hadn't known God better, can you imagine the additional emotional pain and suffering and spiritual pain and suffering if he hadn't taken that time to know God better? So please, this year we want you to pour yourself into knowing God better. Spend more time with him in his word and in prayer. Listen to his voice and respond. Experience what it's like to say, yes, I will take a leap with you. Know him better. But the second thing is not just to know him better. We want you to know his calling in your life better. Verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, when, we, uh, when I think of our vision statement, bringing the hope and healing of Christ to our community one life at a time, it is verses like this that I think inspire and fuel that. It is the, the fact that, that God says we have a hope that we are called to. Now, we often think of our hope in heaven, and we think of heaven as kind of like laying around in clouds. And so that means that what it happens in our life is our hope is just for us to make us feel better and make us feel like we're on cloud nine when things are going on. But our hope is so much bigger than that. Heaven is so much bigger than that. It's a new heaven and a new earth filled with treasures that we have laid up for ourselves on earth. And, and God is saying that, that you are called to a hope, which means that the hope that you have in Jesus should make you want to give that away. Your hope is not for you. Your hope is a calling for others. And the great hope is not just heaven, but also the next part. That it says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, when we think of that, we might think of treasures in heaven, but, but look at the details there. It says the riches of his inheritance, where? In the saints. What God is saying is that we, the church, are his inheritance. We are his rich inheritance. And he looks at us and says, wow, how amazing it is that we have that. And oh boy, that is such a horrible deal for God, if you really think about it. It's like in Exodus. We get this picture from Exodus where God calls Israel his glorious inheritance. And then he sends Moses up to Mount Sinai to, for him to write on the tablets of stone that Ten Commandments. And while Moses was gone there for 40 days, the people of Israel go to Aaron and say, hey, this Moses dude is clearly dead. Uh, we need you to make a God for us to get us into the promised land. 
And Aaron said, okay, give me your gold. And he took the gold and he threw it in the fire and he fashioned it to a golden calf and they celebrated. We found our new God to get us into the promised land. Yay. And then Moses comes down furious and he goes up to Aaron and says, Aaron, what did you do? And Aaron said, look, look at these horrible stiff-necked people. You know how rebellious they are. They came and said, make us a god. And I threw some gold in and out popped this calf. I have no idea how it came out as a calf. It, it was just wild. And so Moses has to go to God. And, and in an amazing prayer, he intercedes to God. And he says, God, man, are these stiff-necked, horrible people but God, you need to take them as your inheritance. You need to be with them and find presence in them. And God said, okay, I will. And a little bit later, Moses said, God, you keep telling me to lead these people. They are stiff-necked. They are horrible. How am I going to lead these people unless you take them as an inheritance, unless you are with us in our midst? And God said, I will do that. I will take them as my inheritance. And Moses said to God, no, no, you don't understand. These people are the worst. They are stiff-necked. They are hard-hearted. But... If I'm going to go, you got to go with me. You got to take these people as a treasured possession because I ain't doing it on my own. And God said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. They're going to be my treasured possession. I'm going to be with them. And the incredible thing is, is that it is true for you too. God looked at you and said, that. That's going to be my treasured possession. When you were enemies, far from God, he looked at you and said, yep, he's going to be my treasured possession. When you were lost and alone and deep in darkness and sin, he looked at you and said, that's my one. That's my treasured possession. And he didn't just buy you by performing miraculous signs. He bought you by sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sin. He says, that is my treasured possession. Now look around the room. There are some people there that you're looking at and going, there is no way God finds them as treasured possession. You should have heard what they said to me. You should have seen what they did. But look at them. Closely, They may be stiff-necked. They may be stubborn. But they are the ones that God says, that is the riches of my glorious inheritance. So we pray that you know God better. We pray that you know his calling in you, that he calls you to hope, to give that hope to the world he calls you his riches and his glorious inheritance. And finally, we pray that you know the power of Christ in you better. 
comes from verse 19 that says, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Did you catch that? It's the same power in us that raised Christ from the dead. That is just incredible, mind-blowing power to think God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus defeated death. And God's power, that same power, is in us. But not only did Jesus defeat death, but it says that he was risen up above all principalities and powers and might and, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. That means he is above it all. And I don't know about this church, but I think the church in America has really forgotten this truth. Because we are sitting here acting like the principalities and powers of America are really above it all, are above Christ. We are consuming the, this news that gives us this fear and the fear of the other. Guys, this is going to be a tough year to watch any TV because it's election season. And you are going to get hit with all these things. But can I tell you a secret? Jesus does not care whether Donald Trump or Joe Biden wins. He's above it all. Jesus doesn't care whether your favorite senator wins. He is above it all. And you know what? This may sting a little bit. But Jesus doesn't care whether America is a Christian nation because he already has the church. Jesus is above it all. So can you guys please turn off that TV? It's okay. The off button still works, I promise. Can you please just say no to the fear and no to the peddling that everything that we do, that the principalities and powers around us are the big deal? And say yes to Jesus being above it all. Can you do that this year, please? And so not only is Jesus raised from the dead, not only is he above it all, but it says God has put everything under his feet, which means he has the authority to accomplish whatever he needs to accomplish. I mean, when we think of kings now, we have powerless kings, like the king of England. He looks great in his crown and sitting on his throne, but he can't do anything. He has no control. Jesus isn't that kind of king. He can do anything he wants to do. Just this morning, people came up to me with questions about today's service, and I was thinking, why are you asking me? Go find Pastor Chris. But Pastor Chris wasn't here. And I realized, uh-oh, I'm the one who has authority here. That's scary. Like, it's up to me. But, you know, Jesus isn't scared by that. 
I mean, you all know in your work, in your job, where you knew the right thing to do to take care of a customer or to solve a problem, but you didn't have the authority. You had to go get your manager who had to go get his manager to get it solved. And you're like, oh, man, there is wasting so much time. Jesus doesn't waste time going to a manager. He has the authority to accomplish everything that he sets out to do so we can look to him to accomplish anything. So not only did Jesus defeat death, not only is he above it all, not only does he have the authority to accomplish whatever he wants, but last of all, it says that he is the head. Now, we often think of head like ruling, like heads of state. But the Greek didn't use head in that metaphorical way. It used head like as the head of a river, like the source of a river. And so when we say that Jesus is the head of the church, we mean that he is the source of good things. He is the source of life for us. And so we can look to the king who defeated death, who's above it all, who is, has the authority to accomplish everything, and we can say, Jesus, I need your peace, and he can be the source of our peace. We can say, Jesus, I need your joy, and he can be the source of our joy. We can say, Jesus, I need your life. I need your lifeblood. I need your power. And Jesus can be the source of all of that for us because he is the head. Now, I want to end on three words that are just absolutely astounding. They just amaze me, these three words. And, and just to, to get, make it clear, in this passage, there are three words like raised from the dead. There are words like above it all. And yet these three words astound me the most. Can you catch these three words when I read it to you from verses 22 and 23? It says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Do you catch those three magical words? It's for the church. Jesus defeated death not just for fun. He defeated death so that we too can, be de can defeat death, so that we too can be raised up with him. That when we, Because we were dead in sin, he defeated death so that we could be alive in him. Jesus rose up above all principalities and powers and might and dominion, and he is up there, but he's not just up there chilling by himself. He was there to bring the church up with him above it all, so we too can be above it all. Jesus' authority is not just for his fun. Jesus' authority is not just so that he can do whatever he wants. Jesus' authority is for the church so that he can accomplish good things for the church. He can move mountains for his people. And Jesus is the head, not just for himself, not just to receive praise, 
but so that he can offer life and peace and joy for the church. For you. Jesus, the king, is for you. Jesus, the one who is above it all, is for Conyers first. He is for you. So what should we do? Well, please, keep taking those leaps of faith. Because you know the one you're leaping for? Well, he is for you. Keep giving love and pouring out your love for all God's people because you know the one who you are loving for is for you. Keep searching to know God better because God is for you. Your king is for you. And please keep bringing the hope and healing of Christ to our community one life at a time because you know the king is for you. Let's pray. Thank you, King Jesus, that you are for us, that you are for our church, that you are working your authority and power on our behalf, that you are doing just incredible, amazing things. Give us the faith to trust that you are in charge and for us. Help us love out of the sense that you love us. And help us be the church that brings the hope and healing of Christ to our community because you are for Conyers first. Pray this all in your name. Amen. <laughs>